now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday edition of the Two Guys in a Mic show here on the TalkZone.com. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock presidential debate. On tonight, we'll do a little sports guy talk, politics, baseball, playoffs, NFL, football. It's Residue Tuesday where we pick up some of the slimy, liquidy residue from the weekend that was stories that we didn't get to yesterday. All that mucho, mucho mas here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. A little bit of music and then we will introduce our esteemed special guest. Thank you very much, David Olson, producer extraordinaire, playing the musical tunage on the other side of the glass sola. And uh, I do welcome in my special guest here, my partner. He's a regular on the show, but he's special each and every day. And he, you know, speaking of the presidential debate, he's a man who I think, if memory serves me correct, considered a political career, but thought that a possible alleged affair with an intern back in his early days might have come out in public, and that stopped him from going uh, political. And so I got to ask you, Big Dog. First of all, was the intern male or female, and was it strictly alleged? I was the intern. <laughs> ah, I knew I had something wrong with the story. You always have something wrong with the story. In turn, your turn, my turn, huh? All right. Well, it's not too late. You know, you're uh, you just turned forty. A political career could still be in the offing for you, my friend. I don't trust anybody who wants to get into politics is is a nimrod. Well, that's they basically all they want to do is control somebody else. But people want to get into politics. But that's exactly why you, a man of the people, would be a perfect candidate. We need more people like you to get into politics. No, Coach, I'd be corrupt. I would take the highest bidder. Oh. <laughs> I, would, I would sell the soul just like they all do. Everybody says they wouldn't do it, but right when they get in, they realize that it's mm-hmm. all the, a beautiful machine, you know, that if you once you get in, you're, you know, you're set for life. You know, why would I want to change it mm. if I'm already in at that point? Tough attitude, folks. Tough attitude. We keep. I always hesitate a little bit when people say, you know, that's just the way things are always going to be and you can't change it. That's not... That's not of my mental makeup. I always, uh, you know, never oh, no, say never. Did, no, 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 no. I didn't say that that's the way it's always got to be. I just said that the fact that, you know, once you get in, it's a little different. Okay, you, you're you not in, coach. You're not you're not the ones that uh, can give money to drug companies and make sure that's uh, all different types of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, once, you, once it all happens, once you're in, it, people are totally different. The stuff they say to get elected is totally different than what they do in their office. All right. Not that hard, by the way. I don't know if I relayed this story. I think I did, but it is not that hard to get into the early political regime at the at the state congressional, state representative level, because um, the guy running in our district was was looking for signatures about four or five months ago, and he's a Republican, and uh, you know, but seemed like a nice guy. And I had a little bit of time. It was right outside the uh, fitness center, the park center that I go to, so I stopped and talked to the dude. Nice guy. 
everyday guy, and he said, you know, regular businessman, you know, uh, wife, two kids, living in the community, tired of politics the way it has been, like like you and me, Big Dog. So he, I guess, contacted the North Suburban uh, Republican Party. Just, you know, hey, called up, hey, you know, uh, you know, interested in getting involved. They said, you know, stop on by, stopped on by, said, uh, you know, be interested in running down the road. Well, they said, well, right now, this is about uh, probably eight months ago. Right now, we've, you know, we've got somebody slated. And he said, well, that's fine. I'll do whatever I can to, you know, help. I just want to get involved in the process. I'm tired of the way things are. We need to get more regular people. He's got a financial background, et cetera, et cetera. So he offers his volunteer services. And this is this is this year. He's running right now. Two months later, Big Doug, two months later, they call him on the phone. Hey, Glenn, the guy who was running dropped out. You want to be the candidate? So he's out getting signatures. Six months later, he's doing the talk circuit now, showing up at the different debates, and he's running for state representative in the 10th District. So it's not that hard. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty impressive. Hey, though. what are you doing next November? <laughs> you want to be a Republican candidate? Sure. All right, stop on it. Yeah, I don't, so I don't know if it's all... Guy- Huh? The other guy didn't drop out. He probably had like got busted for a DUI. Yeah. You know, found out that his secretary was pregnant. You know, that's probably what happened. Yeah, molested an intern, something like that. And that's the only reason why somebody would drop out of politics. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big dog, plenty to talk about. We didn't get to any college football, so we got to definitely hop on the college football from the weekend. It is Residue Tuesday, a tradition here on our Two Guys at a Mic show. We pick up the residue from the weekend. We only have a one-hour show, a lot of stories we don't get to. Definitely got to talk about the baseball game from yesterday and, and I didn't see it, I'm hoping you did, Monday Night Football. Denver down, am I getting this right? They were down 24 to nothing? At halftime. Came back and won the game fairly easily. Yeah, I was trying to explain uh, to Lily the Lilac who is, hasn't really, I mean, she's only lost a handful of football games in her life. I was like, you know, it was 24 nothing and a half. I'm like, oh, this game's over with. Wow. You know, and, and I don't have a television here, so I can watch the game on my phone. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I should listen to the baseball game or, or watch the, well, right when the second half started, like Denver went right down the field. I'm like, you know what, I got to give this game a little. I watched halftime because I just wanted to see all the, like, uh, the, yep. you know, all the highlights sure. from the, the, the weekend and stuff. And it's not like, oh, I'm not going to the baseball game yet. And then right after this happens, there's a fumble. Return for a touchdown is 24-14. I'm like, i got to give this game a little bit more of a shot. And right after I do this, take Manning, or there's an interception return for a touchdown, and then Manning leads them down the field, there, and they had the lead. And Coach, they, they scored 35 points about as fast and as efficiently as any NFL team has ever scored them. And they had looked for it the first well, the offense looked all right in the first half, but they were doing stuff like tripping over their feet while they were about to score a touchdown. It was the special teams that kept fumbling mm-hmm. the ball. 24 nothing. So the way you describe it, by the end of the third quarter, it was 24 nothing at half. By the end yeah. of the third quarter, what was the score? It was, it was, it was, uh, 24 to 14, but it was soon to be 21 14, and it was 28 to 24 with Eight minutes to go in the game. Okay. And Philip Rivers, you know, has the ball. He drives a little bit and just throws a, <laughs> a horrible interception that's returned for a touchdown. I mean, I mean, this throw was so bad; it's about as bad of a throw as you can make in the NFL. Uh, he basically looked at the receiver the whole time, saw the guy covered, threw the ball anyways. It was caught in the flat by the by Chris Harris, not of formerly the Chicago Bears. Yep. No relation, sir. 
return for a touchdown, and that pretty much sealed the game. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Peyton Manning apparently completing uh, 13 passes in a row to start the second half. He passed for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, 24 to nothing at halftime. San Diego in complete control. And I think I read, Dog, that uh, that's only the fifth time in NFL history that a team's come back from that kind of margin to still win. Yeah, and it's the first time ever a row team has ever done it. Wow. Okay. And it's the first time ever in the history of the NFL that a, a team was down 24 and then won by double digits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's almost it's almost unfathomable. Which, I don't know if you saw the looks of the fans enough. I certainly did with the Washington Nationals. I certainly did with the Cincinnati Reds who lost three straight at home to Frisco. Which fandom looked more shocked and or depressed? The San Diego fans last night? The Nationals after the Cardinals came back from 6 nothing deficit in Game 5? Or the Reds, who lost to the Giants after being up 2-0, coming home? You know what? Losing a Monday night game really, 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 you know, that sucks. And losing when you're up 24 nothing, and, and actually losing a game, a football game, when you're up 24 nothing to me is more inconceivable than blowing three games in a row at home in order to lose a playoff series. Uh, I don't know if it's as bad as blowing a six-run lead in the final game of a five-game yeah. series. You know, and that's, uh, I, I will tell you this. Out of everything that I know that happened between those three great comebacks or collapses, however you want to look at them, the one thing that we know is this, was the morning after for the national, uh, the Washington national fans, they all got hit with an email reminding them uh, – <laughs> Of yes. uh, what, how much the World Series yep. ticket prices were. Yep. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Talk <laughs> about innings. Really, I'm going to go with the National Coast. Oh, that's that's putting salt into the open wound right there. Wow. Oh, not only did your team not make it, you get a reminder from the MLB that you owe so much for your for your <laughs> World Series tickets. <laughs> oh man, that is absolutely brutal. Well, the San Diego fans. I mean, they they have to be used to it. It's almost like expect. The unexpected, and the unexpected is always something negative. San Diego just cannot get over the hump. But, again, I didn't see the game yesterday, but it sounds like this was just a typical Charger game because they were, what, 3-2 and two coming in? They had it looking like a pretty solid football right. team coach. You know, yeah. Yeah. You go you go 4-2 and two in the AFC right now, and you're you're on top of the heap. Yeah, you're 4-2 and two in the AFC. You're, you're thinking yeah. home field advantage. Throughout the playoffs is what you're thinking. Seriously, they got a whole division at three and three. You know, Denver's three and three, and they're thinking right now, heck, we're as good as anybody in this whole freaking conference. Remember, you may be on top of the heap, but you're still a part of it. All of those teams are. Thank you very I don't, much. I think only Jacksonville and Oakland, I think, really are completely out of it. Yeah, and Oakland actually has been playing pretty competitive football. Yeah, Oakland has, and Tennessee, I, I would still put them on the, definitely on, on the outer more than in. Yep. But everybody else, if, if three, four teams are tied in the AFC, and then the NFC, the AFC West, everybody's in it besides the Chiefs also. So that's, we're down to 12 teams left in football. Mm, man, Kansas the City. Colts, the Colts, the Texans, the Titans still have a chance. Okay, that that's good. Over the next three or four weeks, Coach, some of these teams are going to be out. I doubt we're going to be having 12 teams still in it. Big dog and a coach, you want to join the conversation here, make it a three-way. We're all the more for it. Phone lines are open, 
6748 the phone number again triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight the phone number who is um coaching the Kansas City Chiefs this year, Big Dog? Is that is it Herm Edwards? Uh Romeo Cromel. Huh? Isn't it Romeo Cromel? He took over at the end of the year last year, remember? And they played really solidly okay. for like two games. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember was it Romeo was it the I know he's a head coach right now. Was it the Chiefs? It's the Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the feel good played. for Romeo Cromel, they've they've completely fallen. I mean, I heard people talking about the KC Chiefs as maybe one of the top teams in the AFC this year. Uh, a lot of people were saying that. The problem, well, I, you know what? I don't know what their problem is. They, I've seen very little football of them this year, and I mean, I'm, when I have watched them, I will tell you this: they, I watched a lot of the Baltimore game, and it seemed like they ran the ball effectively. They can't throw the ball whatsoever. Surprise! I'm all about running the ball, coach. But if you can't throw it at all, you can't win in the modern day NFL. That is a problem. They're not just losing, but they're one of the few teams in the NFL right now. They're losing just uncompetitively for the most part. Yeah, they lost 9-6 to the Ravens two weeks ago. And they, they, they ran off the field smiling like, hey, we held in there. Yeah. You know, it was close. We didn't get blown out. Then they go to Tampa Bay, lose 30-10 to to Tampa. Not good, Coach. By the way, speaking of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, couple of uh, season-ending injuries. Ladarius Webb, their talented defensive back out for the season and Raymond Lewis you might have heard of him before big dog he plays linebacker for the Ravens Ray Lewis torn tricep out for the season double ouch for the Baltimore Raven uh poor Ray Ray wow. I like the fact that Deion Sanders has his nickname he calls him sugar sugar <laughs> so are you going to go out and dominate everybody today oh yeah I really think I'm going to dominate but uh yeah that's sad coach he's uh one of the great all-time players in the history of the NFL, and uh, uh, it's uh, you know it was it was funny is like they showed him doing the pregame speech, uh, and he said something about uh, this is your time, and think about times. Uh, time catches up to all men. You don't know when it's your time. They had him on wow. TV screaming this stuff, and that <laughs> ends up being maybe the last football game he ever plays. In. Wow, how prophetic! Like, how prophetic is that? Yep. How prophetic. Torn tricep. I you know, I don't know, big dog. A torn tricep? I say, you know, wrap it up, tape it up, ice it a little bit, get him back out there and play. How bad can it be? There's somebody else recently tore his tricep, and their season was done also. I'm trying to think of who it was. I, I, can't, I can't recall, but, yeah, that's that's a tough one. You don't hear too many torn triceps yeah. very often. Wrap it up. Wrap it up and get him back out there. By the way, the Notre Dame head coach, Brian Kelly, getting some heat. And anytime Brian Kelly gets heat, I'm all the more for it because I still don't like that guy, even though he's apparently turning the Notre Dame program around. But his quarterback, Everett Golston, gets concussed, gets hammered, helmet to helmet, out of the game and dizzy. And in his press conference, uh, either the day after, I think it was the day after, he said, well, Everett should be ready to go to practice on Tuesday. And Chris Nowinski, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris, a high school football player. Have we ever had him, David, on a talk zone? Interesting, really. What show has he been on? Uh, he's been on a couple of them, actually. Most of our uh, public affairs shows he's done. Yeah. He's done and he is basically, uh, made, you know, he's an ex-football player himself. And he's made a study of concussions and kind of been one of the a young guy, Real young. He's been pushing the whole, you know, the seriousness of concussions and how they've been misplayed. Yeah, Dave. Well, yeah, there's a thing in the middle. Uh, you know, he graduated from Harvard. He went into professional wrestling, and a concussion yep. ended that career, and that's yep. when he became an advocate. Yeah. 
I remember announcing his high school. I think he went to Hersey. Hersey High. I'm, I'm pretty sure I announced his high school football game. Anyhow, he, he leads this concussion institute, and he came out publicly yesterday, Big Dog, saying that Brian Kelly should be fined for saying that Everett Golston should be ready to go on Tuesday because it's putting pressure on the young kid to get back out there after being concussed. I'm all with Nowinski and against Kelly. Yeah, yeah, well, you're always against Kelly, but I, he, he, you know, that's, I'll, I'll be your voice this time because you really shouldn't be bashing Brian Kelly because you do it too much, coach. I'm going to totally agree with you on this one. That's the, the last thing you want to do is, first, he's your quarterback. You want to make sure his head is thinking right. Make sure he's clear. Don't be, and I didn't hear the context of it. Was it like, you know, uh, like was it like a hopeful or he'll be ready on Tuesday or or was it like oh he'll be ready Tuesday like I you know what I mean but if the if the guy is talking about he should be fine if uh, with what Nowinski Chris Chris Nowinski is the head of the uh, it's some name for it but like the Concussion Institute okay well that's well sometimes maybe you know uh, he saw something happening and he knows how college mm-hmm. athletics are and the the coach is the the general manager, the owner, the everything. You know what I mean? He's the the whole czar of the whole football program, and what he says goes. And if he saw maybe a case of bullying going on where somebody was going to be forced to play with a concussion, he came in there and was trying to be a voice for the man. Because, you know, nobody else on the team, it's not like the offensive guard's going to step up and be like, Coach, do you think you're uh, rushing our quarterback on the field too early? Because he's afraid for his job and his scholarship too. Uh-huh. So that's it's kind of cool that he would do that. Now let me ask you, you know, now that concussions have come to the forefront and the seriousness of them, I see players at NFL and college now that get, uh, you know, hit pretty good, potential concussions, and I see a trainer, you know, they'll take them off, and I see him looking them eye to eye and the sidelines checking them out. Now I know in high school there's an actual before you can get back in, there's a written test. They give you a pretest. And then you have to, you know, you take the post-test, and if you're not within a certain points on the post-test, you're, you can't play. I'm wondering, in the course of action during the game, what does the trainer look at, you think? How does he able to determine if it's safe for a guy to go back just by looking at him? And there's no, apparently no verbal test or anything. Well, you know, I'm sure they, they, they talk to him a little bit. You know, and but, the... And you could usually tell if somebody's loopy or not. If they're like, no, I'm fine, they'll be all right. If they're like, oh, I'm okay, and they're all like, look, that you should be able to talk to somebody and know whether or not they're concussed or not. Yeah. We may have to get Chris Nowitzki. I'm not totally sure that's true. I think there could be the, – I've seen some hits where guys go on the sidelines for a few plays back in the game, and my guess is they probably shouldn't be going back out there. That's just my guess. Well, I, I, well, normally they're going to say yes, they want to go out there. And, and has there been people that have been back on the field of concussions, Coach? I would have to say in the history yeah. of football, thousands of them have gone back out on the field yep. with concussions. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, they talk to these guys. They really – I they, I know they, they look at their pupils have dilated, stuff like that, because mm-hmm. uh, that is a sign yeah, of I, a concussion. But that's kind of – simple conversation can – if you know how a person acts, that's why you the co- the the training staff is supposed to like get to know people to see if they're acting aloof and acting stupid, mm-hmm. acting stupid like that. The defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's going to blame concussions for that. Now, if somebody on, uh, top of Mafa, God bless you. Did you hear what he did? <laughs> no. Three hundred and fifty pound angry Samoan. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness! Come yes. on, man! Yep. Come on! I guarantee. 
that's what I said. Oh, I had a concussion. I was like, I wasn't thinking right. That's okay. yeah. That's the next thing. That could be an easy out too. Let me ask you this: If somebody naturally part of their persona is that they are aloof and stupid, if they get hit and then the trainers talk at them on the sidelines and they seem friendly and actually smart, is that a sign of a? <laughs> is that's that... exactly what I'm talking about. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Hello, Mr. Trainer. How hey. are you today? Yeah. Hey, this guy's not right. Keep him out of the game. Yeah, that's that. Uh, exactly. Oh, goodness. Plus, if you got a guy that's all of a sudden friendly, why do you want to put him in a football game? <laughs> all right, dog and a coach at your service here. Residue Tuesday, folks. Got to get to some college football as well, and then the baseball game from yesterday. 888-463-6748. The phone number, 888-463-6748. Before I forget, dog, do you have any reaction or comment? I'm not sure I do, but I'll throw it out to you uh, about the dude who jumped from uh, however high he was and Sponsored by Red Bull, stunt, legitimate, kind of fun, obnoxious. Any thoughts? I thought it, I watched it, Coach Felix Baumgartner. I told you yesterday. I was that was I was I was transfixed by it. Put it put it on the, the 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 internet while football was going on, and watched the guy go all the way up. And then right before he jumped, there was a big play that happened in a football game, and I didn't watch that and didn't realize that he had broke the sound barrier on the way down. Pretty freaking cool. That uh, the the balloon coach that he went up in had the, was the thickness of it was one tenth the thickness of a Ziploc bag. Oh, how thin! Because that's how light it had to be. Wait, in order that's, to I didn't I didn't even see it. That's what he went up in. Oh what? yeah, you got to go up in something. He went up in this massive, massive balloon. But when he jumped, he, what was he? Was he? Like Just, basically, kind of like in a spacesuit is the best way that okay. I would tell you. And how did like he? A it, was smaller it, version of a of a, of a spacesuit. And how did he break the fall? Was it a parachute? No, no, no. He just he landed on his feet. You know, it was pretty cool. A little run and land. You know, even landed on his feet. You jumped that no high. Or not, but he just he just landed. At, and I'm just joking. It was a parachute. Oh, that, okay. So he came out with a big parachute. I mean, he went for uh, a few minutes before he had to pull the parachute. So he was like five minutes. He was free falling for like two minutes. No, he got at least five minutes. Five minutes? He came for 25, 24 Three. miles up, Coach. Holy mackerel. Five minutes free falling? What did they <laughs> did they tell the speed of, of how fast? Well, he, he broke the speed of sound while he was still outside of the Earth's atmosphere. Wow. The reason why is the, the air is in his thick there. So he he broke the speed of sound, broke the sound barrier. And then when he started getting into, like, thicker air, his he slowed down, but like like a relative term of slowing down. I think I was explaining wow. this yesterday. Had they interviewed then, this guy yet? I'd like to know. Was he able to like enjoy it and think? Or I'm getting a I headache. I haven't got. To, I was actually a, about to read some of that and, uh, and and get the. I was about to hit the here the undisclosed uh, uh, video or audio of Felix Baumgartner. Mm-hmm. So I was about to hear that. Like if he was really scared because there was a lot of stuff to be worried about, Coach. When you're that high up, yes. you have to worry about all of it. Like, oh, there was, there was, I love the, the risk things that I read. It took me about a half hour to read all the stuff that could possibly yeah. go wrong on this trip. A lot of people arguing that there was no risk and it was all a stunt, but I'm with you. There's, sounds like there would be significant risk in a number of areas. Wow. Well, if, if anything malfunctioned in his suit, basically his blood would have boiled. Uh, the, like the hemoglobin would have like uh, coagulated in a in a different uh, aspect, all different types of stuff. So those people, 
you know what? I'd like to see that person go up and, and free fall mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, five minutes. You think like during the uh, debate tonight, David Olson, they might have him, like, you know, come down just in the middle of it just to break the tension a little bit, give a little levity? Maybe Barack Obama, after bombing, might pull like a Tom Izzo, big dog, on Midnight Madness. And instead of coming in regularly, you know, like, boom, the spacesuit comes down, you know, a little Red Bull sponsorship. Something to break the tension. He's coming off a, you know, brutal last performance. He got nothing to lose. It's worth a shot. He can ride in on the Endeavor. Yeah. It's worth a shot. All right. Not saying, I'm just saying. 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748, the phone number, phone lines open, dog and the coach. At your service, final NFL note, uh, any thoughts? Big dog, I know it's an emotional moment for you, but Juan Castillo did get fired yesterday. Oh, that's too bad, Juan Castillo. <laughs> and, I, I knew uh, you'd you be broken be up about that. Yeah, you will be missed, but the thing is, your contract is still guaranteed. And for the fans out there who have no idea who Juan Castilla is, which actually was me up until about 15 minutes ago, who and or what is Juan Castilla? Uh, Juan Castilla is the custodian <laughs> at uh, St. <laughs> Teresa Church on the corner no. of 24th and Wentworth. <clears throat> Defensive coordinator, Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid. Not liking them, trying to shake, shake things up a little bit. Apparently he was the offensive line coach. And then they made yeah, him. Yeah, de- yeah, that's that, that sounds familiar. And then they made him the defensive coordinator. That's not working out too well. So Juan Castilla has coached his final game as a Philadelphia Eagle. He was. He should have been fired last year, coach. Why did he even go all the way into this year? I don't know. No sense. I'm not even sure he was the coordinator last year. No, he was. He was. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that was the that was the whole. Why did they move the offensive line coach to defensive coordinator last year? He's the guy that likes the wide nines. The wide nine. Yeah. Okay. Have the defensive ends like go way out, and then they pinch in, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what he's known for. Uh, I will tell you this: the Eagles' defense, yes, it's been piss poor for uh, two years now. The Eagles' problem is their quarterback. Why don't they get a quarterback coach? Guy that can uh, actually teach Michael Vick mm-hmm. to hold on to the ball. Yeah, Michael Vick, and you can throw Philip Rivers kind of in that same category, right? Big numbers, great potential, high profile, but they they don't win consistently. Yeah, he's totally. And the reason why they don't win win is because they either think way too much of their own talent, or they don't think enough of the people around them, and they they do stupid stuff like fumble the ball and throw just blatantly bad interceptions. Mm-hmm. Philip Rivers is the exact. Yeah. You want to win a fantasy league? Have Philip Rivers as your quarterback. You want to finish. Eight and eight to have Philip Rivers as your quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to college football real quick. We didn't get to uh, too many of the games yesterday. If memory serves me correct, it rarely does it these days. We did talk about the Red River Shootout, Oklahoma absolutely destroying Texas. But uh, I don't think we touched on the game of the night, national television. I think it was Brett Musburger doing the game. South Carolina getting knocked off by LSU. What do they call the LSU home crowd? Les Miles calls it Death Valley, right? Yeah, that, it's been the it's been Death Valley for a, for a long time, and uh, yeah, we did talk a little bit about that game yesterday, Coach. That was one of my uh, beat the spread games. And LSU has a very bad offense. They've got a, a below average quarterback. They played that way, honestly, against South Carolina, but their defense played as well as any defense did it has in the country this year against South Carolina, and they really, really. Uh, 
that's the reason why they won the game uh, on Saturday was the fact that LSU's defense played absolutely phenomenal, getting turnovers and Maybe. flat out. Steve Spurrier said that there, he's like some of my boys were afraid of those LSU boys on the field. Interesting. He, he flat out said they were afraid, they were intimidated to play in Death Valley. Maybe not the two best teams, but could one argue, Big Dog, it was the best defense in the country going up against the best offense in the country? Absolutely not the best offense in the country. No? South Carolina, I wouldn't rank in the top 25 offenses what? in the country. Top 25? I wouldn't rank them in the third. Really? South Carolina is a, is a straight-up defensive team with uh, Connor Shaw, who normally doesn't make mistakes, made a bunch on uh, on Saturday night, and Marcus Lattimore, who's one of the top three or four running backs in the country, maybe the best. But they are definitely not the, the best offense in the country. So the, the vaunted I, I Steve start, Spurrier. I can start naming them that are, are that are better. First of all, Alabama has a better offense than South South Carolina. They've got everybody back besides Trent Richardson from last year. Um, Louisiana Tech has a better offense than South Carolina. Uh, Texas A and M, Oklahoma. Apparently, the vaunted Steve Spurrier passing game is not as good as I thought this year. No, 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 not at all. Okay. Uh, Ohio State has a better offense. USC, Oregon have better offenses. Uh, no, I'm not calling them a bad offense, but I would say they're like 25th or so in the country. I'm not even talking statistically. I'm just talking about like. The, I, but then when you're in the SEC, it does make, make a big difference, yeah. Coach. South Carolina is going to beat you 24 to 10 nowadays. They're not going to beat you like 45 to 20. All right, uh, I stand corrected or sit corrected in this particular case. Now, I hope, dog, because uh, you in particular will love this game, I hope that you got to watch Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on a really, really good Stanford team. Well, coach, love that guy, David Shaw, their head coach. But this was old school. This was, The final score was 20-13, to 13, but it was defense, it was hitting, it was physical, it was tough. I hope you got to watch it because the kind of game I think you would have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Coach, I, it was, uh, I, I had to watch the game at East Bank. I was hoping to work on Saturday, couldn't get to. And I'm there, and there's a bunch of people that want to watch college football. So I kind of like, all right, does everyone want to watch Illinois, Michigan? And everybody just started laughing. I'm like, okay, put that Stanford, Notre Dame. So I watched it. That game, it's, it's, it's really cool because you watch pro-style offense uh, in, in Stanford versus, like, the old college, like, legitimately pro versus, uh, like, old-style uh, college football. But without question, you're exactly right. It was physical. It was smash-mouth. It was iso leads with fullbacks smashing in the linebackers. It was, you know, uh, it was uh, zone reads with the Golston and the shotgun put in the belly of a, of a running back. Big hitting on that side. It was great, Coach. I, I couldn't agree more. And flat out, that guy was in the end zone. That no, I, should have been. That, that was. That was should have no, been. A, no, flat out. I, I don't know. Flat out. He was in. He was no, in. Not, not flat out. Very, he very. Never stopped. His momentum never stopped. Uh, I don't know about that. And for you to say flat out is pretty tough. I, I, you know, I could see it. I think it could be argued both ways. Even though I was rooting against Notre Dame, overall, I think they got the call right and again. But I think it was for you to say flat out. It was close, big dog. I didn't think he stopped. Yeah, it's just what what's your definition of stop? His you're right, his legs never stopped moving. But his forward momentum got stopped. And then he you know, he's 
I guess technically you're not down until you're on the ground, technically. And, and he was still twisting. Yeah. Even though he, I mean, he never stopped moving, even though his forward momentum was stopped for like a split second. I, I, I don't know, he just kept fighting and kept moving. So, Talking about uh, the final uh, play of the game where uh, Stanford, just a phenomenal, whether you think it was a touchdown or not, an incredible four play defensive stand against one of the top running backs in the country, Stefan Taylor by the Notre Dame defense. Either way, Big Doug, that was tremendous effort by the Notre Dame defense under pressure. And uh, Mantel Teo, our, our guy, the guy can flat out play. He's, yeah, uh, he's going to be a first-team All-American, probably a Buckus Award winner this season. Uh, he kind of got saved by them not reversing that call because while he was still twisting and trying to get the ball over the Taylor was trying to twist and get the ball over the the goal line. Tao started celebrating, was running mm-hmm. to the sideline with his teammates. Yeah. That would have been bad. I will tell you this: they were mentioning him as a Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm kind of like, you know, I right, come on, but you know what? And I've watched a lot of Notre Dame football this year with Geno Smith having an off game last week. You know, there's Braxton Miller and Colin Klein. You know what, Manti Tao? Notre Dame linebacker, been a long time since we had a defensive player. Heisman winner Charles Woodson, maybe the last one, but uh, the he, only one. The only one ever. The only one ever. Wow. I didn't realize it was that rare. Well, you know what? I think Manti Teo, big dog, is is right smack in the picture right now. The only way Manti Teo could possibly win the Heisman is if he scores touchdowns, but interceptions or fumbles in the Oklahoma and or the USC game, and they go undefeated. Coach, there's no – hold on. You can say, eh, you can do that. You're, you don't even know how many defensive players have ever won the game. Let me give you Let me give you a little – do you even know what the trophy looks like? Describe the trophy. I know what the trophy looks like. So describe it to me real I've quick. I've seen the pose. Relax. Yeah, but to describe the trophy. One hand tucked, the other arm out. One leg up in the air. Tuck. What do you mean the one arm tuck? One arm tuck with the football. With the football. With the football. Oh, I, I get the your point. The guy who wins the Heisman Trophy I get is your supposed point. to be holding a football. Yeah, all right. I, I, I have no problem the defensive players don't win. When Charles Woodson won the Heisman Trophy, uh-huh. because he won it with the football, with returns for touchdowns, mm-hmm. you can say uh, no, he can win. And the only way Mantel Teo wins the Heisman is if he returns touchdown yeah. in first I'm, Oklahoma and or USC. I'm going to say, hey, and I'm going to disagree with you. There's I'm going to no disagree with you because I understand what you're saying. I, I understand the rarity of it, but you know what? If Geno Smith falls off a little bit, there's no other prime then candidates. Then give it to Braxton Miller if, if Teo uh, doesn't score touchdowns. Braxton Miller is a sophomore. Mante Teo is a senior. He's been there. He's done that. He's a classy kid. Stayed all four years. If Notre Dame rolls to the BCS with only one loss and their defense is dominant and Teo plays like the way he has, I'm telling you right now, dog, he can win the Heisman. And I'm telling you right now, he has to score touchdowns. I don't think so. Any chance to win the Heisman? It would be a bonus, but I don't think so. No, that's true. We will we will stand to disagree on that. But either way, the uh, goal line stand for Notre Dame was tremendous and uh, just a great, great ball game. Stanford, I tell you what, I I like watching them play. They're well coached. You know, I thought when Harbaugh left, they might fall off the table a little bit, big dub. But that's still a really formidable college football team. Yeah, Mike Mayock. uh, You know, he he got into it. He's like. What a perfect guy to David Shaw is a perfect coach at Stanford. Yep. A former player there, so he understands 
the actual academic uh, problems that you have as a football player, knowing that, yet yeah, you know, these guys have to practice 20 hours a week, but they also have 50 hours a week of homework to do. And it, mm-hmm. at that school, they actually care about it, you know, and it, it's good to have a coach that actually understands that these, these guys have other lives besides football. Makes them become a lot better football players, too. And just the fact I, I like his overall demeanor, coach. And he, he's like the third youngest Division One coach. That's he's going to get some wins. <laughs> this guy's going to end up with a hundred wins faster than we can realize. Mm-hmm. Yep, they lose Harbo, but they pick up a great coach. Well, not pick up. He was on the staff to begin with, but uh, really good ball game there. Notre Dame is back in the top five. I think they're ranked fifth in the BCS right now. Dog, you alluded to it. I hate to bring it up, but uh, I'll let you comment on it here. Illinois. And again, it's not it's not just the losing that bothers me, but they're just getting annihilated and with the talent they had that should not be happening. Michigan forty five. Your fighting alignment. Zilch. Yeah, this is Yeah, it's embarrassing. You know what I mean? I'm I'm the blue and orange guy. I wear I, I sit around on Saturday, watch football with all my buddies, normally not at East Bank Club, and I have my blue and orange on it even when they're losing forty five nothing to Michigan and it's just uh, coach, it just, I, I get TO'd about it. So, uh, I and uh, you said a lot of talent. You're exactly right. I couldn't, I couldn't say anymore. This is a, a talent of an eight and four, nine and three team, and they're going to go three and nine, four and eight. And again, That's losing uncompetitively. I mean, they've, they've been, the, the, their losses, they're getting hammered. It's not like, yeah, you know. absolutely destroyed. Yeah, it's not a break here, a break there, a bad play here. They're just getting completely outplayed both sides of the football. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, like, and, and I hear these quotes. Well, Louisiana Tech has so much talent on offense, so you can't score yourself. You have to get blown out. Can't lose fifty six to forty nine. You got to lose fifty six to twenty. You know, uh, I don't know if it's the system or they're not developing talent. There's talent there. I mean, I saw this kid Riley O'Toole play in high school, big dog. He could do no wrong. I mean, he played yeah, quarterback, I, I think. Play legitimately at least live, at least four times live, Riley O'Toole. Yeah, he, he looks he looks completely lost out there. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Like like an average high school quarterback trying to play major Division One football. Again, I don't know if it's the system or the teaching that's going on, but something is on the disconnect. Northwestern, uh, on the other hand, they win. It was ugly. It was really ugly. They, you know, I... I'm a big Jerry Kill fan, and Northwestern's my favorite team. I almost, notice I said almost, I almost was rooting for Minnesota to pull it out, Big Doug, because they really deserve to beat Northwestern, who had a big start to the game with a fumble recovery, a couple of quick touchdowns, and then they just stopped playing. And I don't know if you watched them play or not, but uh, the downfield passing guy, maybe Ron Turner or John Shoops has taken over the Chicago or the Northwestern offensive play calling, but suddenly they're running the football and throwing sidewards. Which, yeah, that's that's not good. You do not want to do that because that means you just hey, let's put nine people in the box because yep. they're not going to throw the ball down the field. That's exactly what Minnesota was doing. Yeah, yeah you can't do that. You got to give you got to give Venerex Mark a little bit of space. Give him some room. Spread the field out a little bit. If you give him some space, Kane Coulter and and Mark will make plays for you, Coach. Absolutely. They, the Northwestern. Is not this isn't the nineteen ninety five Northwestern team where they have that unbelievable defense and that team could have got away with playing that way, but they didn't. They threw the ball down the field. They ran with Austria and threw it deep with Dwayne Bates. This team is their defense is playing a lot better than both of us have 
probably thought was going to play. Let's, let's admit it. But uh, it's not dominant whatsoever. you got to score points, which means you have to make it easier for your team to run the ball, spread the field, throw it a little bit down the field in order to get some versatility in your offense. And what's particularly weird about it is the previous two or three years they went spread, shotgun, hurry up offense, and they threw the ball down the field, sometimes too much. And all of a sudden this year it's like been a complete change. First couple of games they showed they got a lot of receivers, a lot of guys coming back from last year. They picked up the kid from USC who was coming out of high school, the number one receiver in the country. He barely gets on the field. So you've got five or six talented receivers, and they're not throwing to him. I can't quite figure it out, but but they are six and one, so I guess we can't complain. Yeah, yeah, don't complain too much. But uh, you're, you're exactly right when you're when you really love the team and you see something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, they're not going to beat Ohio State or Nebraska or Michigan State by throwing the ball five yards down the field and and pounding away at them. They're going to have to do a little bit more in order to beat those type of teams. Got a lot of listeners in the Iowa area tuning in. And, again, our phone lines are open if you want to check in. A little college football with the dog and the coach, 888-463-6748. But our Iowa listeners, Big Dog, were a little bit chagrined a couple of weeks ago. Now it's just grinned because all of a sudden the Hawkeyes, uh, maybe, even have a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. They might win their division. Huge, huge victory over Michigan State for the Iowa Hawkeye last weekend. Oh, absolutely gigantic because you get the tiebreaker versus Michigan State. They, Iowa controls their own destiny, and and if they can beat Nebraska, they're basically playing for the Big Ten championship unless they really stumble against teams that they that they shouldn't the rest of the way. And uh, Iowa's been known for beating teams that they shouldn't, and they've been known for losing teams that they shouldn't to also. So uh, it's... The Big Ten race, Coach, you called it. It might not be the, the best division of college football this year, but it, it definitely might be the most entertaining, kind of like how the AFC is panning mm-hmm. out. I like the whole NFL is panning out right now. Yep. What uh, Take away the top echelon of college football freaks. You might, you might be in this top echelon, but take away that top 5% and give me the next 45%. So the fans that follow college football from the 50% all the way up to that top 5%. So we're talking 45% of the college football population, Bindo. What percent of them could name which Big Ten teams are in the leaders division and which are in the legends division? And I'm one of those 45%ers, and I, I, I couldn't even begin. Well, to I, I can, so I guess you would put me in the. In, I, what, out of those? But, but just actually take, name, uh, to, to name. All 12 teams in which conference they belong to, which division they belong to. Is what, what per- you're asking me? Yeah, what percent fans in that 45% category could pull that off? 1%. That's it? Yes. Okay. Do you know how you do it? Do you know how to do it? I don't know how to do it. There's the M's, N's in Iowa, and then there's the rest of them. So Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Iowa. Yeah, that's that, okay. and that is the legend. Okay, but you're guessing okay. one one percent of the people. There's an N in legends, like there is in that one. Okay, everybody else. So Ohio State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, and Penn State. Yep. All right. So the P's and the I's and Wisconsin. Gotcha. 
I don't know if that helped at all, but just no. think MNs in Iowa, that's all. Not only does that help, I would argue that's about the only way I could get through it, remembering a little code system like that, but yeah. yeah. All right. So just if you can remember one division, the other one should be able, you have to figure it out the rest, the other mm-hmm. one. So. Ah, very good. Uh, a little college football recap, Residue Tuesday here on the Two Guys at a Mike show, but there was some baseball yesterday, Big Dog. As I predicted, do not count out the San Francisco Giants just yet. In fact, I think they're going to win the series. Giants win yesterday, uh, seven to one, was it? Six to one? Seven to one. They beat St. Louis, big win. Ryan Vogel song, great story. He pitches well, and apparently a little bit of a disputed play where, um, Scutaro got injured. No, no, Coach uh, Scudero, Marco Scudero. He hit, finished seventh in the National League at hitting. You got to give him a little bit. He's the he's the Mark Grunzelanic of this past uh, decade, Coach. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he basically what happened was this: I was listening to the game at the time. It was the top of the first, and I'm out doing my kayak tour, blah blah blah. So, you know, I, I'm it's a, it's a workout, so I don't have to talk too much. So I'm listening to the baseball game, and the Giants broadcast went. Crazy about uh, Matt Holiday's slide. Basically, Holiday jumped in the scooter rope, and basically they were saying like, as long as you can touch the base, even if it's far away, and you slide into a player, it's okay. But what Matt Holiday did was he literally, while scooter was on the base, Holiday was knee level, so he never touched the ground. He jumped in the scooter's knee, and scooter ends up. Uh, being involved in a rally in the fourth inning, he gets a two-run base knock, which ended up being the big hit in the game, the go-ahead, uh, the go-ahead hit. But he eventually had to come out of the game with a with a bad knee. So, uh, all, all I can tell you is this: the giant color a- uh, analyst was livid. Coach was like yelling on the broadcast. It was pretty entertaining to listen to a radio broadcast where you had no money, no money on either horse, mm-hmm. but you were pretty happy to hear some guys just. Like basically going off on the Cardinals in the Cardinals way. It was awesome. So like the Cardinals have always done this. They always hit you first and then later when somebody retaliates, it used to be Tony LaRusso saying, Oh, we gotta we gotta you can't do it that way when it was always the Cardinals first. It was great. I think it was Mike Kruko though that was talking. And Mike Kruko was a cub for a couple of years, so he might have a little more venom in his heart against the Cardinals and the Cardinal way than most other people, but it was great, Coach. I wish you could have heard it. I'm glad you brought up that play because the people in San Francisco were incensed about it yesterday. I have not seen it yet. Nor have I. I have not seen it yet, but I will tell you, I am of the uh, the approach that, you know, oh, hey, it's just part of baseball, you know. No, it's not just that play, but there's way too many slides that guys go in where players can get injured that uh, it's not part of baseball. They're not making any attempt. They're clearly out. All they're trying to do, I'm not saying they're purposely trying to injure the guy, but they are trying to go in and, and make contact and break up the play. They're not really trying to slide into the intended base, which in this case would be second base. So, um, Well, there's nothing wrong with sliding and taking out the guy that's turning the double play coach. There isn't. And if you say, well, it's because you're afraid to change all that. No, no, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. When you are in the air and you hit the guy before you ever hit the ground, that's over. That's way over the line. Well, that's I, not even part of baseball. That's, that's something totally yeah. different. I, 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 I'm not going to get upset. If he slid into your guy, well, your guy has to get off the base. You should only be on it for a split second anyway. You know, when you get hit in the air, that's ridiculous. Bad holiday. Well, Don't worry, he'll drop a ball somehow in this series. Well, he already did. They, they let a ball drop in yesterday. Uh, I think he made another 
I don't know if they were listed as errors, but they were two pretty pitiful plays. And again, I haven't seen this one in particular, but I'll I'll disagree with you a little bit. I'm trying to think how I would word it. If if the if the runner is sliding, and his primary purpose is contact, and secondarily the base, I don't like it. If his primary thing is to beat the throw and get the base and he's sliding hard and breaking up the double play that I can live with. What bothers me is when they're it's you know the base is like an afterthought. They know they're out and and their primary thought is contact on the fielder. That's where the line is drawn with me and Big Dog you could say it's part of baseball. What bothers me about it is one play like that can can take a guy out for the season. I'm thinking of the player. Hey, with one hard slide, oh, I didn't mean to do Buster Posey last year. You know, hey, the career guy's career could be ruined. He works as hard as he does in the offseason to get ready for a season, and in one play, in one frustration play, a lot of times just frustration, all of a sudden you're knocking a guy out for the rest of the season. I don't like it. All I know is you would never play for my team. And I don't know that I could coach a rambunctious, out-of-control player like you either. Yeah, yeah, I was totally out of control, hustled constantly, did everything right. Yeah. I was really, I was, a, I was a bad player to have. Slide hard is fine. Slide hard is fine, but you got to be going for the base. If you're primary, that's like, just like I said. If you're, if you're with, if you can touch the base, you're within it. It's yeah, but see, that, that's that's allowing. I, I can see some gray area there that would not, that I would not consider part of the game. I don't know. If you're a shortstop, you better get. Uh, you better tur- better be quick on the pivot. Yeah, double plays at. part of the game. Slide yeah. hard, but don't be sliding away. You know, oh, I touched the base, but 98% of my body was going for your knees and ankle. No, sorry. Not part of the game. Thank you. And if I like you know, to... The only time I've ever seen anybody hurt on one of those takeout slides, like when they somebody did it properly, is it was because they were standing on the base and they didn't, they weren't doing it right. They weren't, they were waiting uh... for the ball on the base. I don't know about that. You haven't been paying enough attention. Oh, I have. The, the, the last guy that got hurt that was knocked out for the season was uh, uh, Katsuke from the, the the double race. And the first thing he said was I was standing on the base too long. Mm-hmm. I think he was ripping Reed uh, Broniak a little bit more than himself because Broniak didn't get the ball to him quick enough. Mm-hmm. By the way, our uh, guy. So I, coach, and that's, that's one of those things that's part of the game. And and. and, and the, there's some things that's part of the game that you that I, I agree with you shouldn't belong in it, but you know what? Every once in a while, uh, one time a season, one team's going to lose a, a second short or a second baseman or a shortstop on the pivot because someone slides into a too <laughs> hard. All right. By I the way, they, our guy Angel we, Pagan, uh, I think he, did he lead off the game with a homer, hit a homer in the yes, first inning? coach. First inning, led the game off with a home run. That's our guy. That's a, Second time he's done that for the Giants this postseason. And you know what's great about Angel Pagan? I bet you this, this postseason coach, he's only hitting about 200. Yet, he's figured out ways to help his team win, and we've brought him up on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Defense or base running. It's like if he gets on the bases, he's scoring, folks. Angel Pagan's one heck of a baseball player. He would fit into the uh, Theo Epstein. Uh, Jed Hoyer plays the Cubway, right? Isn't that the style that they want to play now? Yes, where yeah. you make a lot of contact, you run the base as yeah. well, and you play defense extremely well, which is the Joel Rodwanski way. All right. We have an emailer coming in from uh, Soccer Stan. Soccer Stan wants to know, please ask Big Dog what the United States has to do tonight to defeat 
Guatemala. It's World Cup qualifying, dog, and we're a little bit on the fence. If we lose, there might not be a U.S. team in the World Cup. So Soccer Stan wants to know uh, what's the, the strategy against Guatemala World Cup tonight, 630 ESPN. Uh, where is the game being held at? I believe the Guats are hosting. I have, oh, no, I, I have no idea. Uh, well, if, if you're in Guatemala, just offer to bring back uh, some of the Guatemala national team's family members in bags to the United States, and I'm sure they'll let them score a couple of uh, cheapies. It's an interesting strategy. Uh-huh. Not sure how you draw that up on the chalkboard, but, you know, it's it's not a bad strategy. Now, the Guatemala is right next to the Yucatan Peninsula. I'm going to spend some time in Guatemala this year, Coach, hopefully. Oh, that's right. You've got a trip coming up. Uh, uh, for the end of the world. To the Yucatan Mountains, or where are you going again? The mountains, the Yucatan Peninsula. There's no <laughs> mountains there, Coach. Are you sure? I, just, I, just, I, would, I would hate to have been. I can't even imagine you in geography. Yeah. You know where Albania is, Coach? Albania? That might be the hardest one. I don't even know why I brought that up. I'm not sure. But I am certified, at least I was certified, to teach high school geography. <laughs> Believe it or not. I was a PE major, but at the last second, I think my my uh, counselor told me, you know, you can get a secondary, uh, you can get a minor. You're close enough in social studies. So I took some class, and even though, as you well know, Big Dog, my knowledge of geography is probably in the bottom 5%. I became certified to teach geography. It just shows you your teachers don't know everything, folks. Yeah, and it's also one of the easiest majors you could possibly get. That was Michael Jordan's major at North Carolina. <laughs> and I... somebody asked him, what are you going to do with the geography major? He's like, man, I'm an NBA player. I'm going to travel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still like the U- was it USC player, senior, major, undecided. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's beautiful. All right, Big Dog, are you uh, kayaking today? Are you out in the river giving some uh, tours? Yeah, it's uh, it's not a tour. It's just a workout. So why doesn't everybody come on down 950 North Kingsbury? Go to the riverside, not the building side. Interesting. And uh, you can come kayak with us today. We have some late-breaking news from Mr. David Olson. Uh, after blowing a 10-point lead Uh-oh. late in the game US on lost Sunday, to uh, the Eagles have fired their defensive coordinator. Juan Castillo. Juan Castillo. No! Come on! We actually talked about that already, Dave. Well, that's all right. Juan Castillo. Ten, yeah, he, he was an offensive line coach. And then they switched him over to defensive coordinator last year, you said, right, Big Dog? Yeah, yeah, that was, that's crazy, Coach. That's, uh, the, the people were bitching about it last year on the on the Eagles' defense. So. Yeah. All right. So you will uh, now. What is the workout session, Big Doe? This is not a tour, but strictly Switch for down the water. You, uh, we have one of our guys lead out, and then we come back and uh, basically uh, you get a little bit of guides out there just in case anything happens while you're out on the river. So, so are you actually leading the physical workout? Yes, Coach. That's, that's yes. Excellent. You didn't, you didn't get that part of it. It's I really don't. not like a workout. We just we go out there and I. I have one of my guides lead all the way out. I trail and back. I actually trail. I don't do that. I make other people. Uh, but the purpose... I have to do everything else. So when we do the easier stuff, I let guys that are underneath me, like, lead. I'm like, you do this, 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 and they have to... Because I can only scream and yell at people so much. Still slightly confusing, but people sign up for this for the purpose of getting out of the river and getting a workout. Yes, exactly. Interesting. 
Interesting. All right. Outstanding. Be safe out there. Don't tip tip a canoe with Tyler, too. And we'll talk presidential debates. Make sure you watch tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best, Coach. All right. Big dog, be safe out there, okay? He's out, everyone. All right. I don't want to hear about anybody being pulled from the uh, Chicago River. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We much appreciate your listening. Two guys and a mic. We do it every Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock sharp central time, right up until 11 o'clock, five days a week, one hour a day, five in total. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Thank you so much for listening. Have an outstanding day, everybody. I never thought I'd